Hey guys, welcome to the GOAT Podcast. This is a special edition, new microphones being used just for this one two-episode arc. Monica Teske is here. Monica, welcome back to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Monica has been kind enough to send me notes over oh, the yeah. notes. first two episodes, and then she's going to comment on my top 30 my Apple TV is updating, so I'm trying to screen mirror to it right now, but I don't know that I'll be able to just yet. So if we can't do that, I'll read the names to you okay. instead of letting you see them. But All right. let's start with my top 10. And we mentioned on the podcast, I'm new to this, have not done this before. <laughs> uh, don't you at home listening to this right now go, your mock tells us that. No, be quiet, okay? Um, you get no, a you podcast. can only say that if you get on the podcast. Yeah, you, you get a podcast and then tell me, you know, with your podcast, what's better, but whatever. I didn't remember the fact that every list like this goes from 50 to 1. I just immediately was like, here's my top 10. And then I hit stop and I was like, oh, yeah. And I thought, you know... I could go and re-record these and just save that episode as one through my top 10. And I was like, but I went one through 10. Yeah. It still wouldn't be good. I'd have to like reverse edit the entire list. So I just decided to roll with it. But um, You didn't bury the lead. No, not at all. The next top 50, or I think I'm going to do a top 25. Okay. And I'll, I'll, we'll explain that tomorrow's episode why I'm going to do a top 25. Uh-huh. Uh, Monica already knows, but... yeah. <laughs> Monica, go ahead and start with your questions that you sent me in the first episode of this week, the top 10 players that I had done. All right. So, number one, Will Anderson, I agreed with that. Um, and who was your number two again? Bijan Robinson. Bijan. I have no problems with that. Yeah. I'm definitely with that. Um, Dude's amazing. And then, who was number three? Number three, I'm pretty positive, was C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud. In fact, I've, why am I saying I'm pretty positive? I have it right in front of me. <laughs> C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud. I, while I was listening to the podcast, I started looking up his his college completion percentages, just some of his college stats. Yeah. I knew C.J. was good, but I didn't realize how good he was. His worst his worst season for completion percentage was a 66.3 yeah. percent. He is accurate, but I guess, but also like we've kind of like last time I was on the podcast, we talked about my love for the Ohio state receivers. Right. And uh, I, so, I mean, part of that, the discussion is like, is it because of his receivers or is he that good? Right. Well, you've got, I call it wide receiver university for LSU. Because the last five years, that's basically yeah. what they've been. And they got some guys that are coming out this year that I think are just going to continue that trend. Right. Bama has kind of in the last four years been a team that had really good receivers years in a row. Mm -hmm. I don't know that anybody next year or this year is going to be. No. But Ohio State has also been a team that has gotten some receivers in the game that I think are very, very good. Michael Thomas, uh, mm -hmm. Chris Olave. Jackson Smith and Jigba, of course, coming up on this right. list at some point. But also, in two years from now, you got Michael Harrison Jr. Marvin, not Michael. Marvin. Marvin. Yeah. Michael and Harrison. And then um, uh, Egbuka. Yeah. I really like him. And last night, um, I remember seeing a notification come across my watch that they just signed, Ohio State just signed another five-star receiver yeah. last night. <laughs> yep. So. That's... It, you have to feel good as a wide receiver if you're going to one of those two teams, LSU or Ohio State. Uh, maybe another one would be, oh man, what's what's another school? I, I can't remember who who they are now, but there's another school out there that has like a ton of wide receivers that come out from there. I mean, USC probably wouldn't be bad. That was that's probably what it would have been as USC. Um, they were they were definitely in my um, in my mind on my mind there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm pulling up the list now. You can see it up on the screen. Okay. So there's the top three. And then Bryce Young <laughs> is next. Now, when I was looking up C.J. Stroud, I felt like I kind of had to look up Bryce Young as well. And Bryce, his worst completion percentage was 2020, which was all SEC competition that year. And 
it was 59.4%. Right. I mean, he had astounding receivers. They played against SEC competition, but still 59.4 compared to 66.3. Not great. Um, one thing I did have a little bit of something to say uh-huh. is you were comparing to and Bryce a lot. Yeah. And while, yes, in size they're comparable, one thing I was thinking, Tua has always been, he's always been injury prone and Bryce hasn't. I mean, outside of his AC joint in his shoulder, I think it's his AC joint in his shoulder. Right. I'm not a medical person. Um, if you are a medical person, we would welcome you onto the podcast <laughs> because I want to know more about medical persons. Well, you should marry one. Oh, yeah. Wait, I am married to one. Oh, man. <laughs> Honey, if you ever listen to this, hop on the podcast with me. Yes. Would, would love that. Absolutely. That would actually be really great. But outside of, um, outside of the, his shoulder, he didn't really have any other injury concerns. Mm-hmm. And so while I agree there's a lot of comparisons I don't know how far we can take that because of the... I would only argue that you can take it very far because <laughs> currently, where's Bryce going to go? The consensus right now, and it could be a completely different pick for the Panthers, mm-hmm. but the current consensus right now is Bryce Young is going to go where? Number two. To Houston. To Houston. Yeah. Who killed their first quarterback in franchise history, really, with David Carr that they they had signed that was supposed to be their guy yeah um i've told people on the podcast before go and watch videos of him getting sacked because like it's so depressing there's probably a 10 minute video in fact when you're talking about the next person i'm gonna look up how long his career like sack montage would be i'm guessing it's 10 minutes because the man was sacked like 400 times in his career or something obscene like that Their next quarterback that was really, really, really good was Deshaun Watson, who Mm -hmm. at one time in his career said, yeah, I reached my hand into my helmet because I thought my eye had popped out of its socket. When you have those two quarterbacks, you know, that statement still cracks me up. It makes me so disturbing. Yes. He's like, is it? Yep. It's still there. Good. Well, when that is when that is what you've got, if Bryce Young is going there. And I've done a mock draft. We, we can talk about some of that maybe in tomorrow's episode, just mm-hmm. some of the picks that I've done in the first round just to playing around. But I've done a full seven-round mock draft as a practice run. I'm going to do another one before the draft and, mm-hmm. and release my team's, each, each team's draft selections mm-hmm. if I were the GM. But if they draft him at two and they do not spend their next four of five picks on offensive line, uh-huh. then he will die. It will be the same story I don't care how good he is. He might be a Deshaun Watson type player where he can play very well there and do good things, but he's not going to end his career there. Or he might and just not he play anymore. He might end his career, yeah. Um, but that's that's the only reason why Tua and Bright because I think Tua should have gone to any other team. Any other team but the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins were so desperate for a quarterback, they sold the farm and they went after Tua, who yeah. was hurt when they drafted him. Yes. He had not yet recovered from that injury. Meanwhile, Justin Herbert is just sitting on the couch waiting, and the Chargers call him, and he's had a better career so far. Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's a little unfair because Tua's yeah. been hurt, but I would argue still Tua's been hurt. That's a problem. Go ahead. <laughs> Bryce also has been re- – remi- I've been thinking about this a lot. He mm-hmm. reminds me of Russell Wilson. I don't know if I've said that on the podcast. but I don't think you have, so this is probably the first time I, I agree with you. I mean, I see – Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has not had great lines in the past. And so I'm in, like, I don't think it's going to be career ending right. for Bryce to be in Houston, but there could be better places. If Bryce were a third round pick like Russell Wilson was, I wouldn't complain. Because, and I, yeah. Hear me uh, out. Hear me out. Bryce he is should, a better passer than Russell He should though. be a second round pick highest. That's the highest he should go. Simply because whatever team takes him, if you're not in the bottom half of the first round, you know, you're basically killing him. I, I don't know of any team, even even Atlanta and Las Vegas, I wouldn't want him going to. Mm-hmm. And I think they're better. He's But so, he's going to go one, two, 
four because yeah. he had that A on his jersey. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing, too, and we need to talk about this at some point. Maybe it could be our debate for the day. Um, should that really be a reason for you to get drafted? Uh, we'll talk about it later, though. We'll just move on right say, now to the next I, pick. I, but um, the next one was Jalen Carter. And you don't like this pick. Okay, so I like Jalen Carter's talent, but I know I texted you the other day when I – what was it? I don't even remember what it was. What happened? Oh, he's refusing to meet with top oh, that's 10 right. teams. That's a- right. Anybody out of the top anybody 10, he won't meet with Anybody out of the top 10, them. that's right. And I was like, is this guy trying to tank his draft stock on purpose? Like, his attitude, his legal issues, his pro day? So, in my mock draft, I'll say this just because I think it was too good. I, I couldn't justify taking him because of this. Because teams do factor that in. Mm-hmm. He fell out of the top 10. The Detroit Lions, in this first run at my all-seven-round mock draft, were able to snag Will Anderson Mm -hmm. at six and Jalen Carter at 16. Oh, my goodness. Or 15, whichever. 18. The Steelers even passed on him. Because I was like, no, the Steelers probably wouldn't take him over a corner because we need a corner. I don't care how great he is. And so the Lions were able to get both Anderson and Carter. It's not going to happen. No. But... I thought this makes sense because you've you've got a guy that is essentially telling teams if you're not in the top ten, I don't even want to listen to you. Yeah, not a great look for those top ten teams who are basically they're they're there for a reason, right? And unless a team trades up into the top ten to select him, and if he went to Alabama, we know Washington would do it. But unless a team trades up into that top 10, those top 10 teams are in that sp- that spot and position because they're not good. Right. And because they're lacking something and they don't want to have to risk you don't want to be the Browns when they took Johnny Manziel and Brandon Whedon because right. you had to have a quarterback and so you reached for a player that should not have been drafted in that scenario. Right. Now, I, go ahead. I just if it was me his issues are too much of a risk. Sure. I I don't think I could I don't think I would be willing to do a fifth year option for him. I just But wouldn't you want that chance? I because don't know. Because what if what if let's if just say if you're a top 10 team then yeah. no, I don't think you can. But what if a team, you know, taking my headphones off if you can hear that cuz I know now the audio is working. What if you're a team that is an organization with the standard of the Steelers. Not the Steelers, but an organization that has those standards. And they get you into the building, and they mold you mm-hmm. into the type of, like Green Bay or something like that. They mold you into the type of player that you need to be. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you be able Patriots come to mind. Yeah. Wouldn't you be able to argue then you want him in the first round if you're that type of organization because you can you don't want to sound like one of those girls in high school. It's like, I can change him. But that's kind of what I think a lot of teams are going to tell themselves when they select Jalen Carter if he's available but and they're picking. They also thought they could change Johnny Menzel. Well, no, the Cleveland did, but Cleveland can't do anything like that. I mean, th- look, Cleveland drafted Johnny Menzel, a 28-year-old quarterback, on draft night. That's how old he was. At best, he was going to play 10 years, and none of us expected that. <laughs> and then they went out and traded for Deshaun Watson, who has no problems whatsoever in his social oh, life. None, no, none, not, not at all. None. Yeah, I don't trust Cleveland t- to like house sit for my cat, let alone draft a quarterback and develop him. Sorry, Tyler. I know you're probably listening to this, but I just don't care. <laughs> like they're they're bad. Um, so that that's that. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, Jayla, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Quentin Johnson were the next three. So. I I had a question I kind of wanted you to yep. expound on. Okay, so I while I was looking up stats, I looked at Quentin Johnson's right. national championship game stats. Yep. He had one catch for three yards. One catch for three yards. And Darius Davis had a had a lot like yeah. he he was the stud for tcu if there could be a stud in that game which was a real snooze fest so why in your opinion do you think everyone is so obsessed with quentin johnson right now because none of that matters if you if you were to think about this it matters in the moment mm-hmm. and just my opinion it matters the night of because you think quentin johnson should be a guy 
that takes that game over against Georgia and makes it competitive. Here's the thing. We don't know what Jackson Smith and Jigba could have done against Georgia because he was hurt. Mm -hmm. I think if he played, Georgia loses that game because they were already struggling with Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. And... Egbuka. Egbuka. I was going to say Ebucan, but that's a different player. <laughs> but Egbuka and yeah. Harrison Jr. were giving them fits until Harrison Jr. ended up getting hurt. And then I don't really understand why, but Ohio State stopped doing what worked. Right. And Georgia stormed back. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you could make the argument that nobody on that championship night was going to play well against Georgia. Nobody. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there are other teams that could have, but nobody on the TCU Horn Frogs. Like, I agree, and I, I want to talk about this another day on the podcast because I loved that TCU was in the final. I thought that was what this playoff system was supposed to open us up for. Anybody out there. And that game was the worst yeah, game I've ever seen. But it's the game we need. And you know why? Because I'm so sick and tired of the college football national championship just being another SEC championship game. Because that's all it's been at times. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to be that. It was not sold as that. They did that when they were not happy with the way that the BCS was going. So they said, we need a better system. And then their system was broken from the get-go. Like after two seasons, really, it was broken to where you basically had it where Ohio State won the first year of the playoff, right? Right. Yeah. And then the next year... I don't even remember who won. Was it Bama 2016? I don't remember. It might have been Bama, but it's been a broken system because... Alabama wins too much. I can't keep well, up with it. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> but you do have like the, those four matchups basically with Clemson and Bama. Oh, yeah. Those, at a certain point, it's like going and watching Karate Kid 20, and it's the same two guys fighting each other. That's not exciting. And so when Ohio State took Georgia to the limit, and barely lost right as the new year rung in the field goal went through the uprights when they did that and they barely lose i was okay with it i didn't like it because i wanted my team to win but i was okay with it because tcu shellacked michigan i don't care what the final score says they did they punched them in the mouth yeah and michigan did not take them seriously and to me the championship game was not a testament to this but That game between Michigan and TCU furthers my proof and my opinion that March Madness could easily be applied to college football, and it would be just as exciting and just as fun, and you would have matchups that would not be very exciting, and you would also have Florida Atlantic make the Final Four and Mm -hmm. San Diego State make it to the championship game. Mm -hmm. What happened in the championship game against UConn? They got spanked. Nobody's saying right now, though, nobody that I was hearing is saying, we need a system where there's only the top four teams and they play and that's it. No one says that mm-hmm. because basketball is so different. Yeah, it's a different sport. But if we're going to let a basketball team go through this grind of having to play like eight games to win a playoff championship, you could do something small scale with you know, college football and make it work. Quentin Johnson, to make all of this kind of come together... Mm-hmm. His size is going to get him drafted. He's mm-hmm. 6'4", and he will remind people of the freak that A.J. Green was. Mm-hmm. And I think on the right team, like what if he went to Dallas? What if he went to um, the Giants? A guy that could bail his quarterback out mm-hmm. because both of those quarterbacks are better. What if he ended up you know, in the first round somehow, some way, on a team like... Uh, I don't even know. Let's see. He's going to be a first-round pick mm-hmm. at the most. We, well, you could really say that about anybody, but he'll be a first-round <laughs> pick at the most for him. What if he went to Minnesota? Mm-hmm. That that would excite me as a Justin Jefferson share owner, uh, shareholder of Dynasty Fantasy Football. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of my answer is Quentin Johnson – is not my number one wide receiver just because I know Jackson Smith and Jigba would have dominated this year with Marvin yeah. Harrison on the other side and Abuka. Yeah. I got it right. Yes. Abuka being on the in the slot probably mm-hmm. and Jigba would have just gone crazy. And yeah. he didn't get to do that, unfortunately. But I think his upside is so much better. And so that's kinda why Quentin Johnson was there. And you were also surprised, right, about Christian Gonzalez? Yeah, I was a little I was a little bit surprised that you put Jackson Smith and Jigba below Christian Gonzalez. I tried to do this 
two ways. One, I didn't want to sell the farm this early on all of my favorite players. So there are some of these players that are in a slightly different order if I were doing a top 25 than a top 50. Uh, because a top 25, I'm pretty much only looking at offensive players and a few defensive guys. Right. A top 50, I can kind of trick. I don't want to use the word lie, but I can trick and say, well, this guy's probably 35. When in reality, if it were just offensive players, he's mm-hmm. 15. Yeah. But there are 20 other defenders that I can throw in front of him. So right. Christian Gonzalez is one of those where I see him getting drafted before Jackson Smith and Jigba, mm-hmm. and therefore I put him higher than him. I mean, I agree that he should be in the top 10. Um, All right. The final ones of that day were Miles Murphy and Tyree Wilson. Yeah. So, why why do you have Miles Murphy at 9 and Tyree at 10? What What is your logic in putting them like that? All right. So, you can see on the screen. I want you to look at the screen and then guess. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh. So Miles Murphy is a junior and yep. Tyree Wilson is a senior. <laughs> that's all, that's it. That's literally the only reason. Um, I am an ageist when it comes to fantasy football. I mean, because I have watched tape on both of them. Yeah. And I think Tyree Wilson is the better player. He And he probably is. But you know me. If, if you told me that Tyree Wilson was 20 and Miles Murphy was 22, who would be higher? No, it would be Tyree. It would be Tyree Wilson. Um, and, you know, that's... Eh. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I have Christian Gonzalez higher than Joey Porter. He's younger. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So that brings us to 11 through 20 then. First three picks on this were Joey Porter Jr., Michael Meyer, not Myers, and Will Levi. Will Levis. Levi. Will Levi's. Levi's. <laughs> he and Brett Favre are great buddies. Okay, so... Joey Porter Jr. I was all up into the stats when I was listening to these, apparently. Um, he didn't really have a lot of interceptions. That concerned me a little bit. Yeah. And so how can he find how can he find NFL success if he's not playing with a very good safety behind him, like a Minka, a Justin Simmons? a young Jamal Adams type. Obviously, a lot of the the expectation, I don't think I agree with it completely. I'd love for it to be true because I want him to be as good as his dad was. But a lot of the expectation is he ends up in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. That's the current rumor mill. Ike Taylor comes to mind with this conversation because Ike Taylor was known as Brick Hands. Like, they literally never expected him to catch an interception. I remember one of the interceptions that Ike Taylor had vividly because I was amazed that he caught it. Mm-hmm. He never was known for that. And you could make the argument, well, he had Troy Polamalu behind him. But really, did you have help if Troy was behind you? Because Troy would just go wherever the ball was going in his mind. Like, yeah. if he thought it was going middle of the field, he would abandon you and just go to the middle of the field. Yeah. And he got it right a lot, mm-hmm. but he also got it wrong, too. Yeah. And so Ike is then by himself having to cover this number one receiver. And he made a career out of that in Pittsburgh. Won mm-hmm. two Super Bowls, played in three, and, you know, was honestly one of the best picks we ever had. And I want to look up his, his interceptions because I think in his career he had less than 20. Mm-hmm. And he played like 10 to 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, while you talk about Michael Meyer and Will Levis, I'm going to mute my mic and I'm going to set it down. Okay. And I'm going to look up Ike Taylor's career stats. So Michael Meyer, I didn't look up any stats on him, but watching his tape and watching his like when he w- w- when he was catching the ball I'm interrupting you hold on okay so <laughs> I did that on purpose <laughs> Monica loves me guess how Don't test many that. well you know brother and sister guess how many interceptions Ike Taylor had in his career cuz it is less than 20 18 14. 14. This man played 12 years, all of them in Pittsburgh. 12 years. He had literally just a hair over a pick a season in his last two years, probably. Mm -hmm. Guess how many pass deflections he had? A lot. 134. 
that's what I think Joey Porter could do in the right scenario. Mm-hmm. Some guys are just not, and I, I talked about it a little bit on the podcast where it's like, be a be a cornerback, don't be a wide receiver, mm-hmm. because anybody can be a wide receiver. But if you're a cornerback who's six two, a buck ninety something, you're an anomaly. Right. That's what I think happened with Joey Porter Jr. His dad was an outside linebacker. He looks like he could be built to be an outside linebacker. Six mm-hmm. two. If he put on a little bit more weight, he could have been an outside linebacker. He could play middle linebacker even. Yeah. But his dad seemed he to could, push him towards cornerback. He could be one of those hybrid players. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Michael Meyer, sorry. Michael Meyer. Whenever... Again, hold on. No, just kidding. Go ahead. When he possessed the ball, I saw Aaron Hernandez. Hopefully he doesn't have the mentality of Aaron Hernandez. Absolutely. But the he was always... It seemed like he was always catching touchdowns. Yeah. And that just is screamed... Aaron Hernandez to me. And there was a guy for the Fighting Irish three years ago who had similar touchdown production and got taken in the top 50. Mm-hmm. That was Chase Claypool. It didn't work out for him in Pittsburgh, but <laughs> the Steelers said we drafted Chase Claypool because he gets in the end zone a lot. He had like one game where he had four touchdowns and everybody crowned him as like the next great wide receiver in Pittsburgh. He's in Chicago now and is probably on his way out after this season. Right. Uh, but Michael Meyer, I think that touchdown production gets him drafted a lot higher than if he had man, I don't know, Washington stats? Because as his caliber of play, right? if he had Washington stats, we're talking about a third or fourth round you know, tight end. Right. Okay, so I kind of, I think you have Will Levis, and then who's after Will Levis? Anthony, Anthony Richardson. Richardson. All right, so I want to talk about these together. Yeah, and also, will you note for the people on the podcast the interesting thing about the placement of Will Levis over Anthony Richardson? Yeah, Will Levis is a senior. Yeah, he's older. He's older. I can't draft a quarterback in our dynasty league this year because I don't need one. So I can just say this. Will Levis has been high on my board for three years. Three years. Okay, so... And he's not going to be drafted before the other two guys either. So, yeah. I watched a lot of Kentucky games over the past two seasons. Mm -hmm. That was possibly the most boring offense i've ever watched yeah in my life absolutely and so i looked at will levis's stats and i wasn't i was expecting to see boring numbers i was not expecting he had over two thousand yards how when how did he get all those yards how i missed it yeah that was the most boring offense and i was very his film is much Nothing better, to write home. <laughs> but it's much better than anybody would expect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his stats are good, but I just, I guess it's just the offense around him. Right. Um, and then Anthony Richardson. Trash. I am fully expecting to Guys, be wrong on him, but trash. I <laughs> cannot stand him. No, he's bad. Did you see, did you see the video of his pro day where he threw the pass and it hit the ceiling? I think I did see that. And do you know, if I remember correctly, somebody commenting on it was like, look at that cannon. <laughs> I was like, I don't think he intended to hit the ceiling, though. I um, saw that and I was like, oh, his accuracy is Well, you wrote something bad. in this email to me that it ended up being great that you were here for me to talk about it. I mentioned Stetson Bennett mm-hmm. and nobody seems to be talking about him. Hmm, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. You mentioned on the, the email that he's not talked about because he's small. Right. He is almost identical in size to to Bryce Young. Almost and identical. So here's the here's the crazy thing. You ready? Oh boy. Stetson Bennett should be higher than Anthony Richardson based off his statistics. Um, and a million percent. The thing that is hilarious to me, and I'm going to call it percent. this, and I know you're going to understand what I'm talking about, but the Bama bias is real with this because if you put Stetson Bennett and you took Bryce Young and you flipped them. Mm-hmm. Kept, keep their stats the same. You flip them. Both of them are going in the first round. Yeah. That's insane. But I understand it with Stetson Bennett. And I don't think Stetson Bennett should be a top pick. No. But I agree with the idea, though, that you can't say in one breath Bryce Young is the generational talent. And I get it, he's a dual threat. But I'm I'm really getting to the point where I think dual threat quarterbacks do not need to be utilized the way that they're letting them being used in the NFL. Josh Allen is going to get hurt one day, and it's going to be bad. I'm waiting for a Patriot linebacker to take Josh Allen's head off. Patrick Mahomes has gotten hurt with his mobility 
in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. And it almost cost them a championship this year. You, you've got to, at a certain point, say... It's going to happen to Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, especially with them doing that little quarterback sneak thing that they do, which oh. is illegal. I don't care. It's illegal. It shouldn't be happening. But... Stetson Bennett, by the narrative that is said, and I agree with your email, what you said in the email, but I would I would push back just a little bit because I don't even think Stetson Bennett will be drafted. I think he's probably an undrafted free agent that signed. Which is ridiculous. He won back-to-back national championships. You could make the argument that he single-handedly was wheeling and dealing in this particular one mm-hmm. and was a huge reason why they beat Bama the year before, mm-hmm. and he's not going to get drafted. But if you put Bryce Young on those two teams, he would be. That's insane. But I get it. It's the dual threat. It's in, it, which is funny is because... Probably because dual threat, and also he was a walk-on. That too. But Stetson Bennett does kind of have that dual threat. He's not fast. No. But he's he's a big Ben in running. He every, can run. He's got rushing touchdowns. Every time that I watched him run, I felt so uncomfortable because it was... Didn't so he, slow. Didn't he have like ten rushing touchdowns last year or something? I don't remember. That, he's not going to get drafted. I don't. I don't believe he should. It's but a he's mistake. Not going to be. It's, I, I let him go to Pittsburgh in round seven and be the backup to Kenny Pickett. I would be okay with that. I think it would be a mistake for him to not be drafted. I also think that that for him, and we're not talking about him right now because he didn't make my top fifty. Yeah. Spoiler alert. The walk-on mentality that got him through Georgia could help him on an NFL team somewhere. He yeah. could sign with a team, the Patriots or somewhere, and, and somehow get a job. I mean, if he went to somewhere where the quarterback is in trouble, a Minnesota, a Detroit, yeah. a New England where he has to compete, right? why not? Anthony Richardson does not deserve to be drafted. Anthony and, Richardson not, is also very injury-prone. Yeah. I, he, he just barely has, played. He has the physical characteristics of a quarterback that's it i i don't understand i can't stand him the rumor mill is that the ravens have scheduled a meeting with him which is hilarious to me because you're gonna say you don't like lamar you're not married to lamar giving him a guaranteed contract because he's missed basically eight games of the last two seasons i don't disagree with that logic but now you're you're scheduling a meeting with the guy that is basically the same injury problem. It doesn't make sense. So we're gonna skip. Um, we're gonna skip number six on that email and just keep going. Let me see. We'll here. come back to that. I want to see what number six said. I can't remember. I want to come back to that okay. one later on. So then you want to just skip that guy entirely? Yeah, let's keep going. All right, those of you at home, you'll know who she's talking about. But the oh. next three. By the way, I just looked up Lamar Jackson's college completion percentage, 57%. Which was Anthony Richardson, basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Addison, Nolan Smith, Devin Witherspoon, and then let's just go with Brian Breesey and Lucas Van Ness because that, that rounds out the rest of the list. And some of these we don't even have to talk about much, and we'll save that one guy for the end. Yeah. Okay, so, because I think we got to, it, it's it goes very well into a, to a d- good debate. Absolutely. Okay, so Jordan Addison his quarterbacks went from Kenny Pickett to Caleb Williams. And his production went down. And his production went down. Why? I think that's why his stock is dropping. I also think, and I'm, I, you'll never be able to know this, but I think if Jamar Chase had played that COVID year, his stats would have been down too. Mm-hmm. I think there are people out there that are just connected mm-hmm. in, in the game with a quarterback and with a wide receiver, Calvin Johnson and Matt Stafford, you know, those types of guys. Um, Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger, you know, before he went crazy. Mm-hmm. Those types of players. Uh, oh, man. Um, Wes Welker and Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. Yeah. They just had a connect, an instant connection yeah. and were really good. Jordan Addison, to me, in, in one of the mock drafts that I did, they got corrupted midway through, and I was so mad because I'd been Ugh. working on it for an hour. Jordan Addison fell into the Steelers' laps at 32, and I couldn't justify letting him pass. Because I do think that the Steelers, if he's there, could take him there. Um, but yeah, I'd... moving on. Nolan Smith and Devin Witherspoon. Nolan Smith. Every, it seems like every year there's one player where I say, 
my dream fit. Like I would have a dream fit for him on the team. For I remember Zach Cunningham. I wanted him in Miami, yeah. and he ended up in Houston. That was unfortunate. Yeah. Nolan Smith. That's Detroit. I want to wow. see Nolan Smith in Detroit. In this mock draft that I did, he went to the Cowboys for that ah. same reason, and I had him opposite of Michael Parsons. That would be interesting, right? But I like the Detroit pick too, especially with Aiden Hutchinson there. Yeah, that's Did, what, that's kind of what I was thinking, and also. They're younger and less injury prone in Detroit, so I I really like the Detroit right. Nolan Smith thing. Is Devin Witherspoon a first round pick? If he was a tiny bit taller, yeah. I would have him as my number one corner. Okay, but his height will hurt him. I think it will. I think it will. Brian Breezy and Lucas Van Ness. Brian Breezy. I know this is going to upset you. He is a stereotypical Baltimore Ravens oh, player. Oh, he 110% is. The only thing that would make it even harder trenched, entrenched with that is if he played for Bama. Because that's that's also... John <laughs> yeah. Harbaugh loves his Alabama players. Yeah. Um, Terrence Cody years there's, ago. There's something about the Baltimore and D.C. area where they love Alabama players. And also New England. Um, <laughs> that's true. Well, but, it's the Belichick-Saban connection. Basically. Um... Let's go ahead and do the, the next 10, because you want to save that guy for the end of the debate. We need to cover the first 30. Okay. And I'll just read all the names, and we can make comments after the okay. the first five. So, Brian Branch, Cam Smith. Whoops. Hold on. Cam Smith, Zay Flowers, Derek Hall, Darnell Washington, and go. That's That's five. Let's see, Brian Branch. That pick shocked you. We were watching. We were listening to the podcast together. Yeah. Because she hadn't heard this episode yet, and I wanted to comment on it with her, so I played it while we were setting everything up. She was saying a lot of different things, and then was shocked because I said everything that you had said too. I. I think I impressed you. I was standing there, and I looked. I looked at Michael whenever I heard Brian Branch. I was like, "What?" And then the the next thing I remember coming out of my mouth was, he's a zone safety. And then in the podcast, Michael's like, well, he's not good in man. I was like, I know. Yeah. I think Monica, yeah. I'm, I'm labeled in Monica's family, and for good reason, as a Bama hater. And I do not like Alabama. But I'm not naive. I do understand they're a great team. And they yeah. always have a great recruiting class, and they always do really well. I also have love for the Bama players that have made it to my team. Thank you, Najee Harris and Minka Fitzpatrick. Isaiah Bugs. we did not treat you very well. I'm very sorry. Um, and years ago, I wanted us to draft Dante Hightower, and we took David DeCastro instead. That pick worked out. I mean, that worked out. But Dante Hightower is one that I think we realized got away because we mm -hmm. tried to sign him in free agency. And we said, if you get on the plane, the deal's gone. And he got on the plane and went back to New England. And I'm pretty sure he <laughs> leveraged what we told him we were going to offer him and went back to New England and said, can you beat this? Yeah, we can. Cool. I'm coming back. But if the Steelers went safety in round one and they mm -hmm. took Brian Branch, I would not complain. Only reason I would complain is we already have a free safety in Minka. Yeah. And so it would it would make it harder. But I think Minka could play a little bit more up on the line of scrimmage. And be and more of that did, Troy Polamalu type he style. He did a lot of that. Minka did a lot of that at Alabama. Yeah. And he was good. And we've we've done some of that with him mm -hmm. in the last two seasons. The first two seasons we had him, well, this is year three that we've had him. So the first two seasons we had him, we kind of just let him do his thing, do whatever's comfortable for you. And he was a ball magnet. Yeah. Last year, he was a ball magnet again, but we moved him around more. And he mm -hmm. was a little bit more mobile. And so yeah. that, was, that was good to see. But... I surprised Monica, I think, because I don't think she realized that I knew that about Brian Branch. I I think I was stuck on, I was really shocked that you had Brian Branch that high. He's really growing on me. Like a branch would grow. Really? Yeah. Okay. And um, I'm It's not, an extra limb. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not lying, but that guy's name is Brian. <laughs> okay. Cam Smith, Zay Flowers, Derek Hall, Darnell Washington. Uh, Cam Smith, don't really have anything to say. Zay yeah, Flowers, don't really have anything to say. Derek Hall. She liked the moment of laughter in the podcast yesterday, so. I laughed in the moment of laughter, and I laughed in the moment of silence. Yeah. You're, you're looking at a, a situation with Derek Hall. 
he could fit on basically any of those bottom 30 yeah. into the 40 range. Like, I wouldn't complain if the Steelers took him at 32. I wouldn't complain if the, the Lions took him or the, the the Eagles, the Chiefs, any of mm-hmm. those guys. I wouldn't complain. I th- he never really he never was really surrounded by talent in Auburn, so he might surprise people at the next level because he actually is playing with people. So what about Darnell Washington? If he were on another team, because I think we're both in agreement, you like him too. Yeah. If we, if you put Darnell Washington and flipped him over to Michael Myers' team or into USC with Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. where he would be the guy. Mm-hmm. Would he have better numbers than 28 receptions for 400-something yards and two touchdowns? I think you would. I think you're right. Because he had Brock Bowers pulling up, like, taking so many of his catches. All right, final five, and then we'll debate about, let's just tell him who it is, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. Luke Musgrave, Emmanuel Forbes, Keely Ringo, Drew Sanders, and Josh Downs. Okay, so Emmanuel Forbes, I watched Mississippi State in person right, a lot, more yeah. than any other team. I would have been at that game with you if it hadn't been for some stuff just not going our way and me not being able to make yeah. it. I mean, I've seen them, I think I missed one, maybe two games in Starkville this past year. Emmanuel Forbes, he gets bodied real easily. And so I am a little nervous for him at the next level. Just, he's so small. I'm yeah. interested to see how it goes for him. I I wonder if he could end up being a Stefan Gilmore. Because mm-hmm. Gilmore was, they're the same height. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Gilmore he was needs taller. To put, he needs to put on some weight. I think he should put on a little bit of weight. But at the same time, I would argue if, if a team that is cornerback hungry, uh, Dallas, mm-hmm. Indianapolis, Detroit, Steelers, those types of teams, Denver. If he somehow was their selection, I think mm-hmm. he would do very well opposite of Sertan. I think he would do very well in the Steelers if he were in front of Minka or on the opposite side of Minka. Yeah. Because Emmanuel Forbes is one of those guys where it's like Trayvon Diggs, I think is a really good comparison in the pros. Mm-hmm. Trayvon is not a shutdown corner. But... No. You don't want to just always test Trayvon because he'll make you pay. I mean, he did not this past season, but the season before with his 500 billion picks. Yeah, and I think that's what Emmanuel Forbes' ceiling can be is a guy that you put him in the right defense. Like, if they put him in Dallas, that would be scary good. It would be very feast or famine, though. That's very true. With Trayvon Diggs on one side and Emmanuel Forbes on the other. One of them's bound to get interceptions. <laughs> Every drive. Um, Luke Musgrave and Keely Ringo. You liked the Keely Ringo pick. I did. I did like the Keely Ringo pick. I think he's climbing. I think he. I think the Steelers are a team that like they could punt on cornerback in round one mm-hmm. and take him at thirty-two, and no one would bat an eye. No. Um, I, I don't know that I would love it. Depending on who we took at seventeen, mm-hmm. I would hate to do it, and then we take a guy at seventeen that's like not if an offensive tackles there take him yeah other than that yeah all right drew sanders and josh downs josh downs i think is a perfect spot for him yeah drew sanders how do you have him so low because okay every mock draft i've done and how many mock drafts do i usually do this time of year hundreds right like yeah I mean, at least like 30 mul- or 40 i mean i'm doing multiple a week yeah there has not been a scenario yet where I have justified putting him before pick 49. 49? What I mean by that is, like, I can't justify. I can do it, but it's always hard. Like, I always feel like I'm forcing it. Mm -hmm. Now, an NFL team is not going to be that way, but according to TDN, I try to draft on not just BPA, but Mm -hmm. also position of need. Mm -hmm. So, with with doing the the need route, Mm -hmm. you're looking at a guy that, no team needs a linebacker mm-hmm. in the first 30 picks. And the team that you could argue could take one would be the Chiefs, and they don't need one. They've got plenty of linemen, and they just signed Drew Tranquil. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I guess Willie Gay is done because Leo, Le, Le, Leo Chanel, um, 
climbed up the ranks. You know that Nick Bolton is a stup- a superstar. Yeah. And they just signed Drew Tranquil to probably take away from Willie Gay. So that's going to happen. But mm-hmm. what I know about Drew Sanders is the production is there. Yeah. But he is literally the best linebacker in this class. And that does not really give me a ton of comfort. Last year, you're talking about guys that are really, 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 really good. Mm-hmm. This year, you're looking at it and you're just kind of like, I, I don't know. I I think he gets drafted high. But I can't justify it, personally. I think, I mean, I know last time I was on, we were doing the top five. I was like, this is my number one on this position and it's not particularly close. Right. Drew Sanders is your number one. Is number one. And it's not particularly close. And I'm not saying it in a joke this time. I, and I I agree. And I, I guess mean, the biggest problem is like I'm I'm not trying to be funny this time. I'm being completely it, serious. It's funny the Steelers had a huge linebacker need. They go out and sign two. The Seahawks had a huge linebacker need. They brought back Bobby Wagner and signed Devin Bush in the same day. Yeah. Which makes no sense. Drew Sanders seems like he's going to be a day two pick and maybe even a day three. And I hate that for him because he does not deserve to be a day three pick. But in the same vein, if he went in the second round, like what if the Steelers at 49 took him? Mm -hmm. He's there at 49. You know he's not starting this year, but he's going to get some quality looks next year and he Mm -hmm. could really do well. That's a way for him to thrive. What if, you know, oh, man. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers draft him and say, we know that, um, I can't even think of his name right now, Levante David is not going to be here forever. Mm -hmm. The Cowboys, we know that Leighton Van Der Esch has got to go at some point. Those are the teams that just kind of come to mind. Miami, maybe. Um, Philadelphia. But, like, it's hard. I don't know. Like, there's not a clear-cut team where I look at and go, they've got to get a middle linebacker. Now... This will go into our this will go into a debate. Okay. Okay, so he was he's in Arkansas, right? Right. He transferred from Alabama. So if he does not transfer, does that make him automatically go higher? Yes. No doubt. Because what was the guy years ago who went as a top pick? as a linebacker d milner oh yeah d milner cornerback for the jets the only reason he got drafted and this is a perfect time to start a debate yeah the only reason uh d milner got drafted is because of that a on his helmet Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna say this and then we'll we'll go with jameer gibbs we can talk about drew sanders but i really even want to focus on the quarterbacks alabama is a team that is dominant in college football. And they dominate in the draft mostly, too, every year it seems. They have usually, until last year, they're usually the number one team that's drafted in the first round. Last year, Georgia had, like, what, 15 players drafted in the first round or whatever? It was a, I think it was a record, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, whatever it was, it was, a, it was an NFL record for a college team to have that many players drafted. And I'm going to say this, and you're going to push, and I'm okay with it. Alabama does not oh, what's the best way to put this Take your time I'm I'm looking up something I'm not so sure that Bama should have that many draft picks every year and I'm not saying that every one of their picks is bad I'm just saying I think a bunch of people are blinded by the Bama A and they are blinded by the fact that this guy played at Alabama, he won national titles, he played in big-time games, we've got to draft him, and it doesn't work out. I'm looking at Trent Richardson. I'm looking at D. Milner. I'm looking at... Um, oh, I know his name. He played for the Raiders. Uh, Rolando McClain? No. The, that was the... He played for the Cowboys. Yeah, that was the... the he also played for the Raiders, though, too, this guy. I think, because he was released and then he played for the Raiders. But that guy, LaRon McClain, maybe? What was his name? 
Rolando McLean? Rolando McLean, he was the... A linebacker, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he wasn't very good in the NFL level. Like, he washed out. Those are the types of players... He, but he got into some pretty big legal issues. Sure. So... Those are the types of players, though, where it's like... And I've, I've had these conversations with Monica, which make me more entrenched at this, where, like, every year when I do these 40 or 50 mock drafts and I send them always to Monica to get her advice and get her opinion. How many times have I put a Bama player in the top four rounds for me and you've said he does not deserve to be drafted in the top four rounds? Oh, it happens all the time. It does. Because even I'm blinded at times by the Bama A. I look at it and go, well, this guy played for Bama. He's been there. He's done that. Even if he's not a superstar, we need that type of guy on our team. Right. I don't know, though, that they should have that many players drafted. Every year. Isaiah Bugs was drafted, and he's carved out a pretty good role for himself. But, like, outside of Pat Sertan, I can't think of another cornerback off the top of my head other than Bobby McCain, right? Can you? A safety outside of Minka? Trayvon Diggs was Alabama. Trayvon. So Trayvon and Pat Sertan, and then it's Bobby McCain. So there's, like, a 10-year gap. Say, Landon Collins was... Safety. And he's not really been that great because he's injured all the time, so he's kind of you know. I'm going through. I'm going through. Xavier McKinney is also injured all, a lot. I'm going through Washington's roster <laughs> right. in my head. You have to because uh, Washington let's always. Let's see. Drafts Anthony Averett was with Baltimore. Yeah, he's not bad. Marlon Humphrey. Right. Um. Those are the corners I'm thinking of right now. And but you get where I'm coming from yeah. though too, where it's like. Marlon Humphrey is not talked about much as a top five corner. He's a good corner. He's a good corner, but he's not talked about like in the same breath as Sertan and Diggs. Sertan should not be in the same conversation as Diggs. I agree with you, but that's my point. Diggs, if if Diggs played for Mississippi State, let's do the Emmanuel Forbes comp because that's where we said he's kind of compared to him. Does Diggs get drafted as high as he got drafted? Absolutely not. I agree. If Marlon Humphrey played for Mississippi State, does he get drafted as high? A first-round pick? Probably. He would be a first-round pick still, you think? Possibly. Marlon okay. Humphrey, if he if he had the same stats in college, right. possibly. Okay. Marlon I Humphrey could, was a stud. I could see that. So let's, let's then shift it to the running back conversation because you don't like where I put Jameer Gibbs, and you're, you're a huge Bama fan – and I'm over here giving Bama credit, and you push back. And I like that because it shows that you're not just a biased Bama, you know, fan. I, I did. I was talking to somebody at work the other day. Oh, oh. You were bad-mouthing me to someone else? No, it was a while ago. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> no, you were bad-mouthing bad you a while ago. <laughs> okay, so I was talking to someone at work a while ago. It was after Alabama and Gonzaga played in basketball. Mm-hmm. And... I saw this lady at the game and so she came up to me on Monday at work and was asking me, you know, about the game. Alabama lost a hundred to ninety in that game. Yeah. And she's like, You must have been so upset. I was like, No, I had a great time. I was with my friends and it was amazing. And she's like, Wait, you're not a normal Alabama fan. Right. She's like, You aren't just so upset and pouting when they lost. I was like, No, I it was a great environment. It was a great game. I got to watch amazing players. I had a great time. So, Jameer Gibbs, you let's play the game. Oh, boy. Put Jameer Gibbs at Texas. Is he a top two-round pick? No. You put Jameer Gibbs in Georgia. Is he a top three-round pick? Because here, here's what I know. Kenny McIntosh is falling in every mock draft that I'm doing. Okay, so... so uh, here's what I have to say about Jameer Gibbs. All right, I'm getting a Dr. Pepper, so I'm putting the microphone down. Go. If he played for Georgia, if he was on Georgia's roster, I don't think he would have seen the field. I just, because Georgia, as this past year, Jameer Gibbs, he transferred in for one season, I think. I believe that's right. He wasn't physical enough he would not have been able to perform on georgia's level because he's not physical enough sure (coughs) excuse me 
Well, here's something crazy. So that's Jameer, right? Yes. I feel like we're in court right now. <laughs> Is that Jameer Gibbs that you see on the screen? Yes. Okay. He's right there. 2020. 89 yards. 89 yards. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving him down my board. 89 rushes, <laughs> 460 yards, 5.2 yards an attempt, basically, uh, that he averaged. Four touchdowns. He had a long of 61, and then he had 24 receptions for 303 yards, three touchdowns. So seven touchdowns on the year, a total of just shy of 800 yards. Mm-hmm. The next year, 143 rushes, 746 yards, same 5.2, you know, average, four yard or four four yards, four touchdowns, a long of 71. So he bested that by 10 yards. He increased his receptions by 12. Had 471, 470 yards, and then two touchdowns. So you're getting into 1,200 yards and six touchdowns on less than 200 total touches. Mm-hmm. 151 attempts last year, 926 yards, seven touchdowns. He had 44 receptions for 444 yards and three touchdowns. Do you know who I'm seeing right now? You, I'm seeing Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, but you know who I'm going to say. Go for it. Austin Eckler. It's the same stuff. Look, it's not going to be the exact same touchdowns because Eckler is just that dog. But let me let me pull up Eckler real quick in another tab. And you tell me. I will say, and definitely in another tab because I want to refer back to Jameer Gibbs' stats. Okay, so. See, see all. That is Austin Eckler on the screen, correct? Yes, Your Honor. He is 5'10", 200 pounds, correct? Oh, wait, yeah. And what is what is Jameer Gibbs' weight and height? Uh, I would say I think he's 5'10", 5'11". He's 5'11", 200 pounds. <laughs> All right, so Austin Eckler. Last year. Look at this. This is hilarious. <laughs> 204 attempts, 915 yards, 13 touchdowns rushing. Let's just leave that kind of alone right now. Let's look at his career. The most attempts he's ever had was two seasons ago at 206 attempts. That's including this season. So in his first five years, he had 260 yards his rookie season, 554 his second season, 557 his third, 530 his fourth. Breakout year in his fifth season. 911 yards, 12 touchdowns. Then last year, he had 204 attempts, 915 yards, 13 touchdowns. So that's his his stats in the rushing game. A total career of seven seasons now. Um, 89 games. Just a little under 100 yards a game rushing. Or, I'm sorry, attempts. Just a little under 10 attempts. What would that be? 10 attempts a game? Just a little under? Yeah. He has 3,700 yards rushing and 34 touchdowns. Not terrible. Here's his receiving stats. This is where you separate the men from the boys with him because this is where his dual threat was really capable. Rookie season, 27 receptions, 279 yards, three touchdowns. Next year, 39 receptions, 404 yards, three touchdowns. Next year, 92 receptions, 993 yards, eight touchdowns. The next year, 54 receptions, 403 yards, two touchdowns, 70 receptions, and 94, I'm sorry, 647 yards, eight touchdowns. Last year, 107 receptions, 722 yards, and five touchdowns. His career totals are 7,000-something yards total. Yeah. And just a little over 60-something touchdowns. Mm Mm-hmm. Tell me, with a contract dispute going on in Los Angeles, tell me why the L.A. Chargers should not look at Jameer Gibbs and say, hmm, here's a guy that in his career has a knack for catching the football. He's not known to be a great blocking running back. Oh, he is terrible. And I don't really think that... um, 
Austin Eckler is really all that known for his blocking either. Mm. Do you see where I'm coming from a little bit, though, with the stats in front? Like, Eckler's yeah. better. Don't get me wrong. Eckler's got better Eckler stats. Is, yeah. He's played longer, too, and that's unfair because Jameer Gibbs has only played in college. But I see a similar style of play, and I would not be shocked if they don't like Isaiah Spiller, which I think is stupid that they drafted him and they're not even going to use him right. in L.A. But if they don't like Isaiah Spiller, and Jameer Gibbs is just sitting there, and Bijan is already gone, take Jameer Gibbs at 21. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't complain. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault him for it because, number one, you have insurance that if Eckler doesn't stay with your team, you're not losing the production. Because he's just as capable. And that's the thing about Eckler. He's, I don't know that he'll ever get 1,000 yards rushing. I mean, 200 attempts for a running back is bare minimum, usually. Yeah. That's the most he ever gets. And those are really just the last two seasons. So, I, as far as Jameer Gibbs goes, does he belong as high as he was on my list? Probably not. No. Is he going to get overdrafted, though? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's go down to, and this is my, let's go to his career stats. Okay. All right. So this is my major problem with Jameer Gibbs. Who was Alabama's offensive coordinator this past year? Do you remember? Was that Bill O'Brien? Bill O'Brien. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um. (laughs) So he, he run, I, at Alabama, he ran a very NFL-type offense. Jameer Gibbs was only in that offense for one year. Right. His stats did not really improve from Georgia Tech to Alabama. They did not get better. So, in the same style of... Well, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but in... A pro style offense is he going to be able to produce on a consistent level well i'll see your situation and i'll raise you a situation okay he played a total before the the sugar bowl of one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven games he had one two three games with 18 or more touches four games with 17 or more five games with 15 or more Six of the 11 games that he played, he did not register more than 10 carries. You cannot do that with a guy like Jameer Gibbs. Even worse, in those six games Mm -hmm. that he didn't register more than 10 carries, many of them, he wasn't even like a passing threat. Like week one against Utah State, he had nine, nine carries, 93 yards. You know, and the they first, didn't have, the, I would say didn't the have first to play him much that game. Only played for like um, maybe yeah, a half. probably the first quarter. Uh, <laughs> they scored a touchdown. They're like, we're good. Um, We've won this already. <laughs> what's, what's that kid's name that's going to be the number one quarterback next year? Get him in. Uh, he had one reception for five yards. The very next game against Texas, which they should have lost. We both talked about that before. They were very fortunate to get out of that game. Yeah, I had to go on a stress relief walk after that and i'm yeah. pretty sure i talked to you for yeah all like four miles of that stretch really nine walk. carries that game 22 yards and nine nine catches for 74 and he scored a touchdown the game-winning touchdown he scored that was absurd his rushing mm-hmm. made me sick because i felt like we could not not could not we would not get away from giving him the ball i'm like he's not doing anything but watch Move this. Move on. Watch this, though. Here's what's crazy. Game against Arkansas. Best game of the season. Oh, by far. 18 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns. Probably because of Arkansas, unfortunately. The very next game, another game that y'all really should have lost, the Texas A&M game. If Texas A&M knew how to call a football game, like, I could have called a better Thank play. Thank you, Jimbo. I could have called a better play at the end of that game. But Jimbo can't get fired because he's going to be paid like $900 million if he's fired. Yeah. Um, kudos to you on that. I need to learn how to negotiate a contract like that uh, for the Scattered Abroad Network. Anyways, the next game, Tennessee, 24 carries, 103 yards, three touchdowns. You can't say he was the problem that game. Then you go back in the game against Mississippi State, he has 14 total touches. The next game, he plays very well against LSU. 15 carries, 99 yards, 8 carry, eight touches, or 8 receptions, 64 yards. My argument would be, if you look at him, and then you go over and you look at Austin Eckler, 
Let's look at his rushing stats. Let me try to find where it goes. These stats are all over the place. Yeah, it's kind of hard. It's probably because he's played for so long. Regular season. He's a boost. Um, Rushing find... up there at the top. Oh, right here. I need to click on that, I think. No. Um, no. Why can't I find the game by game? I don't know. Not sure how we find... Um, not really well, sure how we find his game by game. how we do that. Hold on. Looking for Austin Eckler's game by game stats. Okay. So, his stats for 2022. There we go. Come on. Yeah, we can't find him. It won't tell me. Oh well. On on a fantasy perspective, I Jameer Gibbs will be a, a contributor in fantasy football. I don't yeah. know that he'll ever be a guy that is hoisting the Super Bowl trophy. No. But he'll he'll be a he'll be a player there. It's been an hour and six minutes. We should probably wrap this up because we still have another podcast to do. We could debate this for a while. We really could. Over under he gets drafted before pick fifty. Over or under? Oh, he'll he'll get drafted before pick fifty. Okay, will he get drafted before the Chargers at twenty one? Probably not. I think if Bijan Robinson is not there, that Jameer Gibbs could be a Chargers back mm-hmm. this time next month. I would be I would be shocked to see Bijan Robinson slip past number ten. Well, next. Uh, episode is going to be covering picks number 31 through 50. We're just going to do all of them together. And I'm getting it right where I can just hit stop. Oh, you saw one, but you didn't see him. And I don't know who it is. we will see you guys again tomorrow. Take care.